Here we are. We are off to the races. The we horse races. Like it's Eliza Doolittle in my yes. <laughs> Ascot Bagot. Yep. Uh, yep, 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 yep. Oh, yes, the Ascot. The Ascot. That always fuses with the scene in, um, uh, well, my gosh, Mary Poppins, where yes, um, uh-huh. where they've they've gone into the painting and they visit the horse race. That like yeah. those two things are in my head um, the same thing. <laughs> yeah, totally. No, and they totally like yeah they merge together. Well, like the two movies were made around the same time, and sure. uh, and Julie Andrews who played Mary Poppins. Yep played Eliza Doolittle on Broadway. So, so it's, it's it's very easy the to same. confuse them. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, hello listeners. Hi listeners. You have made it to our My Fair Lady episode. Congratulations. And quite frankly, we have made it to our My we Fair Lady Pygmalion. So congratulations, Rhonda. Thank you. And congratulations <laughs> to you, Erin. Oh, thank you. I appreciate I don't, it. I don't think we as a society talk enough about George Bernard Shaw. I don't think we as so... a society <laughs> congratulate Pop DNA enough. So That too. That too. <laughs> yeah, go on and say smart things, though. What? Oh, well, I can't when you put it like that. I interrupted your smart statement. Yeah, Shaw. He's a good guy. <laughs> Um, no, that was it. That was the end of my statement. That was the end. <laughs> Don't talk enough about George Bernard Shaw. That's fair. Um, there was a, in the Stephen Sondheim musical, The Frogs, there was a song about the Shaw, a, call, a dance routine called The Shaw, um, which mm-hmm. pays tribute to George Bernard Shaw. Oh, interesting. Mm-hmm. That's pretty good. Okay. <laughs> It's all of, I think it's first you think, then you ponder, then you make a quip, and that's how you do the Shaw. <laughs> and that's how you do the scarn. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Wait, like, step to the left and you shake that hand. <laughs> Very similar concept, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. Michael Scarn. Michael Scarn. And then they find the script, and he didn't cross out Dwight one of the times. <laughs> Dwigged. So they, so they figure it all out. George Aww. Bernard Shaw would never make such a mistake. No, he would he ensure really that his it. he would ensure that his find and replace function was working correctly. You'll in never his word know document. he's writing characters about you. You'll never find out. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, um, so, yeah, good, yes. Yeah, why did you mention Shaw? Are we talking about something that has to do with him today? Um, <laughs> I I think we've both made it obvious at this point. <laughs> I don't that know. We are <laughs> that we are <laughs> discussing the George Bernard Shaw play Pygmalion and the... Uh, I mean, we, you know, we can't talk about Pygmalion without also talking about the Lerner and Lowe musical, My Fair Lady. Um, yeah. 
so yeah, this is kind of kind of a double episode, but not really. I mean, we'll see. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, that's what we're talking about. Um, so should we do a little bit of background on the play and then a little background on the musical? And yeah, we'll, I think I'll talk about I'll cool. talk about the play. You talk about the musical. Does that sound? Does that sound about oh, right? Of course. Okay, yeah, cool, that's, cool. <laughs> that sounds like our speed for sure. Cool, 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 cool. cool. Okay. Uh, So Pygmalion um, is a play by George Bernard Shaw. And I would just like to point out that um, my high school theater teacher um, was very adamant about correcting us if we pronounced it George Bernard Shaw. She'd be like, it's Bernard. It's George Bernard Shaw. Yeah, I don't know. Anyway, so the play... I will not make that mistake, I promise. (laughs) It was so funny. I'm like, well, I guess that like how you pronounce it with a British accent but we're not British so why can't I say Bernard anyway I'm always going to hear it as Bernard (laughs) but anyway so Pygmalion was first presented on stage to the public in 1913 and the title Pygmalion comes from a Greek mythological figure which we will get into um, a little bit later Um, Pygmalion Um, in Greek mythology was a guy who fell in love with one of his sculptures and then it came to life. That's the basic story. We'll get more into that later. Right, Um, right. (laughs) So um, this myth and kind of, you know, Greek mythology in general was a very popular subject for Victorian British drama and literature. (coughs) Sorry. (laughs) No, it just sound like, sounded like you were... Ju- I'm sorry. <laughs> okay. <clears throat> what were you saying? It just sounded like we were pausing for emphasis. Like you were oh. really excited about the next thing you were yes. going to say. <laughs> yeah. Yes. It was emphasis. So... <laughs> um, so there were a couple of other plays written... In, you know, the late 1800s that took inspiration from that same story. Um, and then uh, uh, one of them was called Galatea, which is the name that was given to the sculpture that came to life by W.S. Gilbert in 1871. Um, and then, um, yeah, okay. Um, so the Shaw play has been adapted many times. Um, of course, it was adapted into the musical My Fair Lady in 1956. There was also a 1938 film of Pygmalion and a 1964 film of My Fair Lady, which you're going to talk about. Um, it's noted that um, Shaw was inspired to create the character of Professor Henry Higgins by several British professors that he knew of. Um, uh, this this article where I got this information from lists several of them, but I don't recognize any of their names, so I might just cut this part out of the episode. Okay, yeah, go ahead. That's fair. <laughs> <laughs> and then that pretty much leads us into My Fair Lady, um, which is a, a musical that I have a bunch of mixed feelings about Mm, um, mm -hmm. 
Because some of the themes are super cringy. Um, oh, sure. But yeah. <laughs> My Fair Lady is, an, is a musical based on, as you know, Shaw's 1913 play Pygmalion. Um, the book and lyrics are by, or sorry, the book is by, sorry, wow. Um, okay. <laughs> the book and lyrics are by um, Alan J. Lerner. And of course, the music is by Frederick Lowe. Um, and in case you don't know, I think you might if you're listening to this podcast, but if you don't, the story concerns um, Eliza Doolittle, um, who is working as a, in, um, wow, sorry, I'm just going to start this again. Okay. <laughs> okay, go for it. Take as long as you need. I can always edit stuff out, so don't worry about it. So My Fair Lady is a musical based on Pygmalion, as we mentioned a little bit before, with book and lyrics by Alan J. Lerner and music by Frederick Lowe. And um, we follow Eliza Doolittle as she begins to take speech speech lessons from (sighs) Professor Henry Higgins, Mm. who I really super don't like. Um, and so he's working with her to improve her speech so that she may become a lady. Um, which again, a lady, gross. a lady in air quotes. Is that what I'm detecting? Yeah, a lady with a big old <laughs> sigh and some air quotes. Um, and my cat just came and laid on my feet cause he agrees. Um, mm. and the original Broadway and London shows starred Rex Harrison and, the lovely Julie Andrews, who we Aww. love. We love her. Um, and then I I thought this was interesting that in 1956, My Fair Lady was the longest running Broadway show in Broadway's history. Interesting. Um, so, right. So there's something that audiences liked more so than I like the play or the musical. Um, yeah. So... I just kind of feel like there's um, just some weird things that have to do with My Fair Lady. I'm wondering what your first experiences were and kind of how you feel about the play or uh, the play and the musical. <laughs> right. Your thoughts. Right. Um, yeah, I think I, you know, I think I, my first experience with the story was probably um, seeing My Fair Lady I probably, you know, I watched it on, like, TCM or something. You ever watch, like, right. the old movie channels? I used to watch old movies all the time. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, so I think that was probably my first um, experience with this particular story. But, of course, this is a theme that has been present in media for many, many centuries. So it was kind of an idea that I was already, you know, familiar with. Um, sure like the Pygmalion story. Um, And, but yeah, so I think my first experience was seeing my fair lady, um, you know, maybe like, I don't know how old I was. Uh, I was a teenager probably. Yeah. Uh, Or or preteen. And, but then my, uh, my first experience with the play Pygmalion um, it was in that aforementioned high school theater class where my theater teacher insisted that we pronounce it George Bernard Shaw. Um, <laughs> yep. 
Yeah. Um, and uh, I want to say that we, so the, like we used like a couple of monologues from the play for, um, for like class um, discussion. So sure. like, you know, like people would like, like people in the class would like, um, would like read some of the monologues and then we'd like, you know, discuss like the, the interpretation and the performance, you know, all that, like yeah. all that theater kid stuff. Um, yeah. So that was my experience with uh, Pygmalion. Um, but what about you? Yeah. Well, it's similar. Um, and I think it's why it's, important that we're talking about it in our summer theater program is that the this text and these texts are kind of a good entry point for students studying theater because yeah um when I was yeah probably 14 13 um I had a big book of all of the musical theater songs um and not all, obviously not all of them, but like all of the ones that you want to work, you want to use to work on being a musical theater performer and, and like acting through song and like all of those things that you have to learn as you're learning musical theater as an art form. And this, um, a bunch of, of songs from My Fair Lady were in it, but most notably, um, wouldn't it be lovely? Which I couldn't oh, think of the I name of that one. Yeah, we worked on that. That was one of the songs that I worked on um, with like my private vocal coaches. And we used it to build moments of um, really big, honest truth inside kind of a comedy or inside a co- comedic mm-hmm. performance. Um, and kind of just talking about the I want song and also applying like the I want song to a character that you're doing some character work for if you were mm-hmm. playing Eliza. So sure. um, that, that was her my I want song. <laughs> I know it still it still gives me chills. I, I love that song. Um, mm-hmm. Like she just a, wants a room where she can be comfy and eat chocolate. That's all she wants. She doesn't want to be a lady. She doesn't want to be dressed up in no. diamonds. No. Like, oh, Eliza. And the real Eliza. Exactly. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think the other really important piece about that song um, as kind of an acting coach in itself is how to be authentically joyous Mm -hmm. in your hope without being fake about it. You know, in that song, it really teaches you how to be like show authentic joy instead of having it be like I'm smiling so therefore I'm happy you know those kind of acting lessons um yeah 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 oh good a good song to learn how to act through a song too like it is yeah you're having to do all sorts of like placement for musical theater uh voice and all of that but you're also having to act kind of kind of a big monologue within it so yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah it reminds me a lot of um in my own little corner from cinderella yeah like it's the same kind of like i'm just in my own little space and that's all i right. need to be happy like yeah yeah 
<sighs> anyway. <laughs> oh, yeah, I haven't thought about that. I miss performing. My goodness. Um, soon. 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 We can so, do it. Yeah. I had a question for you, Rhonda. I've got an answer, maybe. How do you feel about Henry Higgins? You know, I'm honestly kind of like ambivalent about okay. Henry Higgins. Um, so I and you know, this is something that we are planning on getting into a little more later on in this episode. Um, but like the the romance aspect of the story, I even when you know even when I watched My Fair Lady for the first time as you know a preteen or a young teenager, like I did not see any romance at all in the movie. Right. Like I didn't, it never even occurred to me that there was like a romance storyline going on, and right. so like I just kind of saw Henry Higgins as just like. I don't know, like, yeah, he's kind of a jerk, but, like, eventually Eliza gets what she wants. Right. So, like, I mean, he's, yeah. But, like, as I've gotten older, <laughs> like, um, Henry Higgins, you know, is uh, kind of a jerk. Um, yeah. He's kind of got incel energy. Yeah. And uh, I I guess I'm like, I don't hate him, but I'm still just like, eh, that's not a character that I feel the need to examine more closely. <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah. <laughs> totally, totally. What about you? I know you have I, strong feelings. <laughs> I hate him. I hate, 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 hate his little... His little, ah, I just, I just don't like him. But I do. It's hard because I do appreciate how his pat, his patter songs are written. Yeah. Um, I just don't like him at all. But I think, and for for listeners um, who maybe haven't heard the phrase in a while, a patter song is a song <laughs> where it's more like, it's more like a talk through a song. It has uh -huh. really detailed lyrics to it think um Lerner and Lowe do that a lot they like do Camelot they do a whole lot Arthur's songs in Camelot are a lot like that yeah yeah oh we're talking I about Camelot a, later <laughs> we are um I had a, a drama teacher explained it as the character is pattering on so just like <laughs> patter 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 I always think of um, like the Music Man. If I need an example of a oh, patter yeah, song, yeah, sure. Like '76 Trombones or Pick a Little, Talk a Little, or um, Meredith Wilson loved a patter. But yeah, it's what it's a song where they're patter, 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 patter. Um, it's kind of a, a speak song, um, and I think that the writing in um, the patter songs that are given to Henry Higgins is really tight, and I really like it. Um, but I just don't like him as a character. <laughs> sure. Fair enough. So there you go. <laughs> well, there you go. Um, oh, there you go. I don't feel like we need to, I mean, we will be talking a little bit more about, about Henry Higgins a little later. Yeah. Um, just kind of out of necessity. But 
we don't need to talk <laughs> about him anymore right now. Let's talk about Eliza no, instead. <laughs> let's talk about Eliza. Let's Do talk you so about Eliza? So there's many notable Elizas um, of the stage and of the screen. And there's Audrey Hepburn. Julie Andrews, Lauren Ambrose, Laura Benanti, um, and then also um, notably um, Michelle Dockery, who played Lady Mary on Downton Abbey. Yes. And then, and Shireen Ahmed, who was a, um, in the Broadway company, she was an understudy um, who just did a really phenomenal job of the the performance. Um, Yeah. Did you have a favorite Eliza? Well, so the only one I've seen is Audrey Hepburn besides, um, you know, like versions of Eliza in like retellings, which we'll get into. Um, yeah. But I can imagine that Julie Andrews must have been phenomenal. Yeah. Right. Talk about a performer who who gives like. She has heart in everything that she does, right? She's like, mm-hmm. oh, gosh, I love her. Love her so much. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, and I did want to note um, that I include Shireen Ahmed here because she's the first um, Egyptian-American actress to play Eliza Doolittle on Broadway. Oh. Um, That's and very cool. Yeah, it was... Um, it was... In the news, I think it was um, 2020 that it was happening. Uh, like early 2020, it looks like. January 2020. Um, cool. I would have loved to see Michelle Dockery as well. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, I can just imagine. Yeah, I imagine she would be a really a really fun performer to watch in that role. That character is like so the opposite of Lady Mary. I think that totally. would be, <laughs> be really interesting. Right. I also like, it's also not going to lie, but it's also totally a dream role of mine. Like how much sure, fun would yeah. that be? My goodness. Yeah. <laughs> and it's one fun. of those, it's one of those dream roles that could actually happen because it's done so often in community theater spaces, right. you know, yeah. like <laughs> you don't have to say, gosh, I wish they would do insert musical theater that's super um, vague and no one knows about, you know, it's like you might actually have the opportunity to audition for it, which is sure. cool. Yeah. What, what do you, so when you think of Eliza, what's like the first character trait that comes to mind for you? The first thing that comes to mind, I mean, there's words like scrappy and feisty, which I think you would like kind of in a traditional sense, you could use those words to describe her as like, that's kind of like the type that she is like the, you know, right. The archetype. Um, But I think, you know, I think in the in the Shaw play and in the musical the the development that she gets is you know like on the surface level is a little a little flat like a little thin um right and so i think like when you know when you when you think about 
Eliza Doolittle as a character, I think there's so much of like the performances that you've seen that kind of fill in the gaps that are left from the way that she's written. And so like everything that I think about Eliza, like most of it comes just from Audrey Hepburn's performance of her. And so, you know, I think of the, of like Audrey Hepburn's like kind of like soft strength, if that makes sense. But like she has this like steel core, but she's also very soft and very like, um, very, uh, uh, f- I guess feminine is a word you might sure. use, but she, sure. like she's, she has like the capacity to be like very nurturing and empathetic. Um, yeah. but again, like that's all just what I'm reading into Audrey Hepburn's performance, but right. yeah. yeah. What do you think? Yeah, I I think I definitely think like honest and kind of raw, you know, like mm-hmm. she she's allowing herself to um, honestly react to things. You know what I mean? Like she's not right. when we meet her, she is not in these confines of whatever it means to be a lady at that time. Right. She's like, I'm living my life and this is my existence. Mm-hmm. And you're not going to tell me how to experience the world and this is what I'm living. And I think, yeah, that's my favorite thing about the character um, is, and I I always think of that. uh, I always think of her um, with the song, just you wait, Henry Higgins. Uh I like, I I love that one. (laughs) I so appreciate her for saying absolutely not. Like this is, um, this is not useful for me and I am not just gonna like accept what he's throwing down. You know, I really, Mm -hmm. I love that character so much. Yeah. Oh, now I'm just thinking about, um, how much fun that song would be to play that. (laughs) That's that's a hard one to talk about without me just saying, Oh, I want to do that. And I want to do that. And that would Uh be so fun too. Um, okay it's what we're here for as noted before um in 1956 this play was the longest running play um that had ever played and 1957 it won the tony for best musical so like that makes sense (laughs) they were pretty into it um and then in 2002 it won the lawrence olivier um, for best musical, which I'm sure Henry Higgins would be pretty proud of in his <laughs> right. little pretentious glory. Was that uh, was that in London? I believe so. Yes. Okay. And I yeah. think the show is coming back to Broadway uh, when Broadway returns. Oh, um, that'd be fun, right? To go see. Let's have Maybe a we'll tour. We'll take a pop DNA field trip to New York. Yeah. Go see my fair yeah. lady. So listeners, if you want to come with us to New York to see my fair lady. It's coming we'll, to the Paramount in 2021. That's right oh, now. It is? Oh, cool. Sweet. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll do that too. Seattle is yes, much closer. It's, it's, <laughs> Seattle's much closer to us. <laughs> Um, yeah, it's going to be, um, produced at the Kennedy Center this season. Cool. Oh, okay. What, a, what an awesome way to return to theater. That's pretty neat. 
starting off with a bang. They're starting out with something they know can get people. Yeah, right. Seats. Something They're to like, get butts people in are seats. coming that's back. They... <laughs> oh my gosh. That's, yeah, um, that's very much like a community theater move. Like they isn't it? That's what community theater does. Like they do things that they know people will come to see. They do. I've seen entire seasons of community theater where they're like, they're like yes, <laughs> this will bring in the audience. And you know yeah. what? If you're managing a community theater, you have to, right? You have to do right, shows yeah. that, um, and you can reimagine them, but you have to do shows that get the ticket holders like continuing to re-up, you know? Right. Yeah. It's a hard <laughs> sell sometimes. It is. Yeah. Support your local community theaters, friends, Please do a sp- and, and local professional theaters. Especially right now. I know a yeah. lot of theater humans are trying to get back into it. And it's just the world has changed. Mm. Um, gosh. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Rhonda. Yes. Will you tell me the myth of Pygmalion? <laughs> Yeah, I think, yeah, so I think before we kind of jump into, like, our broader discussion about, um, you know, the references and retellings, um, yeah, it's a, it would be a good idea to get more of a foundation in the myth that the play is kind of inspired by. Um, so thank you. Thank you, Erin, for bringing this up. <laughs> so... <laughs> So the Greek myth of Pygmalion um, is found in Ovid's Metamorphoses. Um, Pygmalion was a guy who he was a, a sculptor. <laughs> <laughs> he was a guy. He was a guy. Um, <laughs> yeah, he was a sculptor, um, and he sculpted this statue that was, you know, he like a beautiful woman statue out of ivory. Um, and so uh, he was also, uh, Pygmalion was a misogynist. He, um, <laughs> which, sure. you know, like for ancient Greece, like par for the course, let's be honest. <laughs> but uh, so like he, this is actually a quote from, uh, from uh, the Metamorphoses um, that is very uh, degrading toward women. So just, you know content warning there um but the the quote actually says that he um, was detesting the faults beyond measure which nature has given to women um so Uh he so he decided that he was going to be celibate for his whole life so (laughs) i called henry higgins an incel um I, I guess I guess we could call Pygmalion an incel, but he decided he was going to be celibate. So I don't know if that would count as an as an right. incel. Um, <laughs> I guess a vol cell is that what they call it? I don't know. I don't want to find out. Anyway, so, <laughs> <laughs> um, so he just decides to devote his whole life to sculpting instead of getting married. Um, because women, you know, so he carves this sculpture because of, <laughs> he carves this sculpture of a, of a woman that is just so beautiful and he thinks it's just so perfect and he falls in love with it. Um, and he, 
this is gross. <laughs> so he <laughs> like kisses the sculpture and like makes out with it. And like he gives it gifts and he like wow. creates this beautiful house for the sculpture. Um, what and a so I know, right? <laughs> this guy has issues. Um, so, <laughs> so, um, Pygmalion, um, y- you know, like worships at the altar of Aphrodite, who's the goddess of love. Um, and so he goes to Aphrodite, um, to kind of like ask for, um, so in, in the metamorphoses, it says, um, he wished for a bride who would be the living likeness of my ivory girl. Um, and I guess Aphrodite was like impressed by <laughs> his, I don't know. Um, so he goes home from, from the, from the temple, um, and he kisses the ivory statue as he usually does. Um, as he gets home. <laughs> sure. Right. Mm-hmm. Like he gets home throws his keys down and kisses his statue. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But this time when he kisses the statue, the lips feel warm. Um, And so he kisses it again and finds that the statue has turned into a real girl. Um, Oh, Oh it's it's like Pinocchio. Um, It reminds me of that movie, (laughs) Lars and the Real Girl, where he, like, dates a blow-up doll or whatever. Yes, totally. Oh, I haven't thought about that movie in forever. Anyway, that's that's when we knew Ryan Gosling was a weirdo. So, Uh Pygmalion (laughs) Pygmalion marries (laughs) the ivory sculpture who has now become a real human woman. Um, Yeah. And they live happily ever after. <laughs> That's a fun meet cute. That's oh, how'd you meet your spouse? Oh, you know, they were once a sculpture. <laughs> um, and I would kiss the sculpture every day. And then what do you know? One day I was walking home and I kissed her and she was human. Oh like, what? Gosh. <laughs> it's, mm, yeah. Okay. So that is the story that Pygmalion, is, the play, is based on. Um, so, so there's that. It's not wow. surprising that, you know, there's like some misogynist undertones in there. Or, you know, sometimes not even undertones. Like, right. Yeah. <laughs> sometimes yeah. Henry Higgins is just an outright sexist. And that's, yeah, know, that's the play. Anyway, <laughs> um, but since the since in the original myth, you know, there like Pygmalion falls in love with his statue and they get married. So like that has kind of the trappings of a romance story. Um, and so I think sometimes when we have, you know, Pygmalion type stories, there is romance involved. And sometimes that gets a little weird. Yeah, totally. But um, um, do we need the romance? Well, right. Um, And that's, I think, you mentioned this earlier, and I found an article about it, too, um, that, um, yeah, what if there is no romance? Like, Henry Higgins and Eliza Doolittle, um, like, the musical uses songs like, I've grown accustomed to her face, and, Mm -hmm. you know, kind of, 
implies that there's a romance growing there. Um, but like you mentioned earlier, it's not a natural fit for these two characters. Mm-hmm. Like, unless you're being told this is a romance, it just doesn't make sense, you right. know? Um, and there, I think there was a really cool performance. There was a really cool production in 2018 at Lincoln center um, directed by Bartlett Shear and um, starring Lauren Ambrose as Eliza Doolittle and Harry Hayden Patton as um, I just tried to call him. I just tried to say he was playing Rex Harrison. He was playing Henry <laughs> Higgins. Um, although Rex Harrison kind of just became Henry Higgins. Like, oh yeah. Yeah. Um, but in this production at Lincoln Center, um, that romance, those expectations for a romance between Higgins and Doolittle was actually taken out. So any instance um, in the text where it was implied was taken out. The actors did not um, build that into their relationship on stage. And it was just um, Eliza was working with um, Higgins on her speech patterns and on being able to enter society as a lady and I really when I read about it I thought that that was the better choice right yeah. I feel like for this show that is the choice and in you know if you look at 1956 there was a pretty strong requirement for a romantic element of a musical that I don't think sure. is a requirement now you know like in 56 57 most musicals are romances they end in marriage mm-hmm. they're like the woman is expected to find a husband um, and it really upholds those really problematic themes that are present in early musical theater and it's not something that is being done um in a vacuum anymore, right? Like musicals mm-hmm. can talk about real life in new and exciting <laughs> ways nowadays. Um, and I just, I got really excited to see that um, a director and actors and actresses were thinking, Hey, this is a really neat story to tell, but we don't need that romance to be at right. the forefront, yeah. you know? Yeah. And also, wasn't there like, like, doesn't she also, like, there's Freddie also, who is, like, nice yeah. nice to her. Um, yeah. So, like, could they have a romance? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, there doesn't need to be a romance, but if if you're going to play up a romance, then make it Eliza and Freddie. Like, Eliza's got options. She'll be yeah. fine. <laughs> she, doesn't, <laughs> she does have options. She can shop around. Um. Yeah. Oh, I was just going to say, I get excited when places like Lincoln Center, um, not this isn't even pushing the envelope, but I do get excited. Like, this is not groundbreaking, but mm-hmm. I do get excited when places like Lincoln Center have other thoughts about classics. You know, I think sometimes, right. sometimes they super do, and then sometimes they're kind of, you know, more traditional. So... Yeah, just a half-formed thought there for your day, if you wanted nice. it. Nice. <laughs> yeah, and I also think that, like, the the expectation that there is a romance between Eliza and Higgins 
is very much rooted in like sexist cultural norms. Yeah. Like the even just like the idea that it's okay that there's a romantic expectation between these two people who have a wild power imbalance. Um, and also one of them treats the other one very badly for a lot of, for a lot of the story. Um, yeah, I just think that, that that idea is like the idea that there would be a romance in that situation is intrinsically tied to sexism. Um, (laughs) totally. And, you know, going back to like the original Greek myth, um, which I just relayed to you very (laughs) eloquently. Um, (laughs) So like it is, you know, as I said, like it is deeply rooted in misogyny and in the male gaze. Um, Yeah. And like the Shaw play and the Lerner and Lowe musical continue that thread. Um, It's, you know, it's the story of, (laughs) I called, I called him an incel. Did we decide we can call him an incel? (laughs) I don't I'm see okay why not, right? Okay. Uh-huh. So, like, basically, like, is this incel who, like, no real woman is good enough for him. And so yep. he creates yep. his ideal woman. Um, and then he's rewarded for his sexism, for his misogyny, by getting to spend his life with his creation of his ideal woman. Um, yeah. It's very, it's very bad. Um, it is very bad. It is. I don't like it. I, we don't, we don't approve. No. Right. Yeah. Um, but I think that like, there are some ideas in there that I do still find very interesting. And I think some of the retellings and references that we'll talk about have, have like either transformed or at least like kind of recontextualized those sexist ideas in the original story. Um, yeah, but, uh, I want to shout out to, <laughs> I'm always like shouting out to my TikTok friends on these episodes. Um, <laughs> it's your shout out. Co- it's Rhonda's yeah. shout out. Rhonda's shout out corner. Um, I want to shout out my friend, um, Chris from TikTok. Um, she, I really wanted to, um, have her as a guest on this episode. Um, but our schedules just did not work out for that to happen, but someday, someday we'll, we'll make it work maybe. Um, but yeah, I wanted, I wanted to have her on this episode because, um, she is working on a Pygmalion retelling that, um, is like, a, you know, a transformative retelling that is um, uh, like a feminist female empowerment kind of uh, story. Um, cool. I hope she's okay with me talking about this. I'm sure it's fine. Um, <laughs> uh, I mean, she made it, she's made TikTok videos about it. So I'm sure she's fine with people knowing about this. Um, <laughs> That's um, awesome. So in her idea is that it's, um, transforming it into a story of a woman who is kind of reinventing her ideal self um, through sculpture and art outside of the confines of the male gaze. So it's more of like a self 
a self-empowerment kind of story rather than, you know, being made into a certain image by the male gaze and an outside force. I love that. Sign me up whenever it comes out. Yes. That's amazing. Yeah, I'm like, I definitely want to read that. It sounds really good. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Hi, Chris. (laughs) 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 Yeah, I feel like I just keep thinking about how. um, Yeah, I wish. So I feel this is going to get meta. Are you ready? Yes, I love meta. Do it. I feel that most. Do it. Like your late teens and also your early 20s and into your 30s and into your 40s and into your 50s. As a woman, um, we are constantly deciding who we want to emulate or who we want to draw from and who we want to be inspired by and how that's going to impact us as women and our ideals and our uh, actions through life, you know, Um And I just really wish that, like, Henry Higgins had been, like, a strong female supporter of Eliza instead Mm. of Henry Higgins. I think that would have been a that could have been, like, a really interesting story of Discovery. The whole premise of the play is that, like, they make a bet, like... Higgins and his friend make a bet that, like, they can turn this flower girl into a lady. Um, Yeah. So, like, I think think we'd have to change that part, too. I forgot about the bet component. I always, like, block out the bet component because I hate (laughs) that so much. Yeah. It's pretty terrible. Yeah. Ugh. Which is which? Um, she's all that keeps the bet right? element. <laughs> There's also. Have you seen Dogfight? No. What is that? There's a movie called Dogfight that was then created into a musical where um, three Marines. It's their very last night on the town before they go off to war, and they make a bet that they have to find. This is horrible. This is horrible. They have to find um, what they call the ugliest woman um, in New York City and bring her to this party. And then oh whoever gosh. gets the ugliest woman. Um, and then it turns into a journey of self-discovery for this young woman who is chosen because she rejects the idea that she is in any way ugly or mm flaw I mean we all have flaws but you know what I mean like she rejects this notion and it becomes a whole discussion about between like the last act of the play is a discussion on this one marine's last night in New York it's his discussion with this woman who he has just um, just annihilated with judgment and brought to this horrible experience and really 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 like degraded And it becomes a whole discussion between these two characters about like the woman saying, well, no, I'm not. And here's why. And it like kind of a friendship develops there and he starts to gain feelings for her because she has said, look, no, like this is wrong. This is and he starts to see the flaws in his um, judgment of her. 
And I think it's a really meaningful piece. Um, it's really, it can be hard to watch. The lead mm-hmm. woman who, the woman who played the lead, Lindsay Mendez, um, talks about how she had to talk with the director. They would spend entire days just unpacking this journey and making sure she was okay as an actress, kind of mm. playing this role, um, and talking about having these deep conversations about that kind of societal judgment where we are so quick to say, oh, you're ugly and therefore worthless. Um, It gives me chills just thinking about it. And the music is beautiful. Um, It's Pasek and Paul and it's like, it's very much an indie musical. Mm -hmm. Um, But look into it because it's beautiful and it's a really raw story Mm -hmm. of someone who has made a gross judgment and acted on it and hurt someone. And then how they have this conversation. So it's kind of like a modern day My Fair Lady a little bit. Uh-huh. Um, sure. It's really, so look into that. It's is called recorded, um, Dogfight. Is there a recorded version of it online? Do you know? Yeah. Um, it's okay. it's based on a movie, but then there's um, like an original off-Broadway cast recording and stuff. Um, it's beautiful. Yeah. Okay. And also... Also just really problematic. So if you're not mm-hmm. in the headspace to have that conversation, mm-hmm. um, sure, save it for another day. But I do think that it is like a really raw and honest look at that conversation that we still have in America like right mm-hmm. now. Right. Yeah, it definitely sounds better than she's all that. Um. <laughs> it, it is. A, it's kind of like honest. She's all that. Or like, <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Right. She's all that. Do we want to do we want to talk about She's All That? I mean, well, it's one of those weird movies that I loved when I was uh-huh. like too young to watch it. I was like right. 9. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I thought yeah. Freddie Prince Jr was so dreamy. Oh, he is dreamy. <laughs> I don't think I got the larger conversation. I think by then though, I had so solidified myself as identifying as an artist and as an air quotes nerd um, that I identified with the character instead of like being offended by it. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. I was like, no, she's cool. And here's why. But um, yeah. yeah, be silent. Be still. Be <laughs> silent. Be still. Yeah. <laughs> that scene. Uh, oh, goodness. That, that part still cracks me up. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we don't have to like dig too deep into she's all that. Um, go listen to the Bechtel cast episode on she's all that. Yeah. It's yeah. It's really good. But I do want to talk about confessions of a teenage drama queen. <laughs> One of my favorite books when I was a kid was that. Oh, book. really? I, I never, yeah. I never read the book, but yeah, the, Oh, so in the book, do they, are they performing? Are they doing the performance of my fair lady? I'm pretty sure. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know if that was invented for the movie. I think so. I can't remember, but I think so. Yeah. So this is a, this is a, a lesser known Lindsay Lohan joint. Um, (laughs) Yeah. uh, Yeah. And, and Megan Fox is in it. And. Oh uh, my gosh, Rhonda. She is, isn't she? I forgot. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Um. But yeah, Lindsay Lohan auditions for the the school musical, and it's like a modern day version <laughs> of My Fair Lady, 
called Eliza yeah. Rocks. And yeah. Eliza is uh, like a grocery checkout girl, which like that's some interesting commentary to unpack there. Um, sure. But, yeah. Yeah. It's I I loved that movie as a teen uh, with Carol Kane as the drama teacher yes. who I always who is. Like, she's done Wicked. She's done so many things on Broadway. She's amazing. Um, I just always think of her when she goes, Eliza rocks. She's, like, <laughs> so into the title. <laughs> Aww. I always think of her as um, the uh, uh, Valerie from um, The Princess Bride, which is like, I'm not a witch. I'm your wife. <laughs> yes. But after what absolutely. I just said, I'm not so sure I want to be that anymore. <laughs> You never had it so good. (laughs) Oh, I love her. And then it's fun to see her play the major bad villain in Wicked. You know, like she gets all these comedic roles and then she plays Madame Morrible in Wicked, who like Mm. pretends to be kind of the person teaching Elphaba like how to be a witch. And then it turns out that she's been working for the big bad this whole time. Um, so it was ah. kind of fun seeing she kind of brings that silliness to her like high villain role um, as Madame Morrible. She's an awesome so performer. Oh my gosh. So that's possibly a little bit, a little hint of a Pygmalion story there. Right. With her and Alphaba. If they're right. Like that kind of relationship. Interesting. Interesting. Absolutely. This is in everything. Yeah. Pygmalion. Pygmalion is everywhere. Pygmalion. I always want to say Pygmalion as if I was playing Adelaide in Guys and Dolls. Pygmalion. Like, I don't know why. <laughs> no idea That's why. Great. And there's also in Elf, um, when he goes <laughs> to his dad's office and he's like sitting on the little tiny stool in the corner and he's reading a book. <laughs> the book is called Pygmalion, but it's spelled with an I instead of a Y. So it's like pig. Malian. I'm like, that is so cute. I wish that was a real children's book called Pygmalion. That's adorable. (laughs) Like about a pig. With a little pig. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Okay. So the real reason that I even did this episode um, is because I wanted to talk about Selfie. I've never even heard of that. Yeah. That doesn't surprise me. Um, It's... (laughs) It was a sitcom on ABC in like 2013-ish, I want to say. Oh, Um, wait. I'm like remembering uh, ads for this. Okay. okay. (laughs) Um, Yeah, it's a really unfortunate title. I think the title is the reason why nobody watched it and it was canceled. Um, Uh Uh-huh. (laughs) <laughs> but it it's a My Fair Lady retelling. Oh, and wow. The, the characters are named Eliza and Henry. And I, abs- I loved this show. And a couple months ago when we were talking about, you know, what we were going to discuss for a summer theater program, I was like, oh, yeah, I'm going to do My Fair Lady <laughs> so I can talk about Selfie. And so I um, it's not available to stream anywhere, at least nowhere that I oh, wow. was able to find. Um, so I but I did a little more digging and I found um, a DVD copy of the entire series <laughs> and I ordered it 
Um, and it's, I, I think I may have done a piracy. So it's, <laughs> it's like super sketchy. Um, if FBI <laughs> is listening to this, I'm innocent. Oh, no. I didn't know. Um, so, <laughs> so like the, the, the DVD cover, art looks like it was made in like Microsoft paint. Um, <laughs> the discs, <laughs> the discs are, there's two discs and they're just like completely blank. And then they just have one and two written on them in like Sharpie. <laughs> like, oh my gosh. This is super sketch. <laughs> oh <laughs> but no. It was, but it was $15. So I'm not asking <laughs> questions. <laughs> How's the playback? Like, are you able to? It's uh, yeah, like it's it's fine quality. Um, uh, most of the episodes have like a network logo in the in the bottom right corner. (laughs) (laughs) Like it was recorded from TV. Um, Well, that's phenomenal. (laughs) Yeah, but okay. But anyway, all of my accidental piracy aside, um, selfie. Selfie was such a really like it was such a good show and I think it had a lot of potential. I mean, like most sitcoms, you know, kind of struggle in their first season. Like that's pretty normal. Uh huh. Um, and you definitely see that with Selfie, but it also has like some really strong things going for it. Like the casting, I think, was like pitch perfect. The like the visual style of it was is like a little okay. bit it's a, a little bit like over stylized just a little bit like uh okay what it what it reminds me of is did you ever see the show better off ted yes where it's like or it's like kind of over stylized like hyper yeah uh, but it's, uh, you know you know what i'm saying right Totally. Yeah. Like it kind of has a hint of that, but not quite to that extent, if that makes sense. Okay. Um, And yeah, it was just really fun and really funny. And I'm still sad that it's gone. Well, I love John Cho, you know, like. Yeah, he's great. And Karen Gillan is Eliza and she's hilarious. Yeah. Yeah. That's selfie. Bummer. I know, but I have the, I have a pirated DVD now, and I can watch it whenever I want. <laughs> so there. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. always a shame when like may I always wonder maybe if the title had been different, like other yeah, like definitely could have gained some sort of traction, you know? Yeah, like I don't know, like what the title could have been. Right. But they I gotta say like, I'm. Is that the best they could have done? <laughs> yeah, the the name is obnoxious. I will say that my honest reaction to the name is, oh my goodness. Yeah. <laughs> what is like even happening? like, yeah, like even in like 2013, the word selfie was starting to become obnoxious. Like, yeah. Anyway, <sighs> uh-huh. that's that. <laughs> so do you want to borrow my pirated DVDs of selfie? <laughs> I mean, obviously, yeah. <laughs> okay, I'll bring them. <laughs> <laughs> now that we can hang out again? Yes, now that we can be in-person friends again. <laughs> Safely and responsibly. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Um, 
Can you <laughs> can you think of any more like retellings of this story that are like very clear, you know, retellings or or uh, well, adaptations? Well, like there, like you mentioned, there's elements kind of everywhere, you know. Yeah, like, yeah, for sure. Hmm, I. You know, almost, 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 miscongeniality, almost. Yeah, but then not yeah, quite. Yeah, okay. Um, I can see that. I think she <laughs> Gracie has. Gracie Lou. Gracie. Um, I think Gracie has a little like she has more um, agency than Eliza. Yes. Um, she has more say in the outcome. But yeah, that definitely. Yeah, that's totally a Pygmalion story. I just saw it on my bookshelf and I said, oh, yeah, look at that. I'm going to say those words right now. Yeah, um, definitely more agency, you know, like she's an agent of the FBI. Um, (laughs) Agency. (laughs) She's an agent. She's an agent. She has agency. Oh, no. Um and I, I do also think it's important to note the humor that Sandra Bullock brings to the character is reminiscent mm-hmm. of like that kind of a character on, in like a musical, you know? Yeah, for sure. Dirty Harriet. Yes. <laughs> yes. As Michael Caine calls her. <laughs> oh, Michael Caine. Oh, Michael Caine. He's uh, by many accounts not a great person, but you know, he's fun to watch. Um, anyway, oh, I hadn't we don't need, heard. Okay, we don't need to talk okay. about that. Um, <laughs> yeah, you know, I'm thinking about like all these movies, like that have like a makeover storyline, right? That I'm like, uh, is this Pygmalion? And you know, like, why is it that so many movies marketed toward women have these big makeover stories? Like, yep. what is that? What, right. What is that? Why do we do this? Princess Diaries. Um, Princess Diaries. Clueless. Pretty Woman. You know. Pre- yeah. Yeah. Clueless. Yeah. Clueless does have a makeover story, but I think that it does a, a much better job of like commenting on that makeover and like giving yes. nuance to it um, than a lot of yeah. other stories do. Um, and at the end, they have that great moment where they reconcile mm-hmm. and Cher right, says, you yeah. know, this was wrong. Yeah. Right. And yeah, she other gets movies... to date her skateboarder. Yeah. <laughs> what is his name? It's it's Robert Martin from Emma. But what is Birkenstock? Um, <laughs> Birkenstock. <laughs> some some I can't think of his first name, but Trevor Birkenstock. Tra- um, Travis. Travis, Travis, Travis Birkenstock, Birkenstock. the himbo king. (laughs) When he comes in, I know this is off topic, but when he comes in and he gets the most tardies and Uh he thanks the the people at McDonald's for making his egg McMuffin. (laughs) Yes. And the L.A. bus drivers for taking a chance on an unknown kid. Also, that actor is a dreamboat. Let's just save space I, I know. for that. <laughs> He's so hot. Anyway. Um, I mean, yeah. Okay. Oh, now I need to watch Clueless. Okay. Right? I mean, when is not a good time to watch Clueless? Like, it's... I can't um, think of one. I can't think of one either. You know, in another really small way, 
Dirty Dancing is like a dancer's uh-huh. um my friend Dancing lady. Pygmalion. Dancing Pygmalion. Yeah. <laughs> So well then I guess like so is like save the last dance and sure <laughs> sure sure or maybe I'm just listing all my summer movies you know what me yeah you know <laughs> what I'm fine with that <laughs> everything is Pygmalion um but but yeah like I think that there like there is something to that idea of like having like this big makeover story as like kind of the main the central um uh point of like development for the female character because that does go back to like in the greek myth like uh, you know like the the statue galatea the statue woman like her entire (laughs) existence is because this man shaped her into what he wanted Um, and we keep doing that to women in movies with makeovers and yeah. yeah. And I think that's why I think of dirty dancing is that it's almost like we're watching baby get shaped into a thinking, feeling like adult from being Mm -hmm. like a naive child a little bit. So it's kind of like a, an awakening story. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah, no, I see that. <laughs> but I think uh, I think Portrait of a Lady on Fire kind of does something similar, but you gotta watch that. Yeah, yeah, it's really good. Yeah, I and so like Portrait of a Lady on Fire references Orpheus and Eurydice, which I kind uh-huh. of like. I see like. Like, they talk about Orpheus and Eurydice, and I kind of see that, like, parallel in there. But I really think that there's, like, kind of a transformative Pygmalion theme throughout Portrait of on Fire. Because, like, Marianne uh, is the painter, and Eloise is the woman that she's painting. And so, like, through their, like, interactions and their, like, discussions of, like... Um, like the gaze and like what it means to you know be gazed at and what it means to gaze like both of them kind of transform a little bit at least like in their thinking and there's also like kind of like the art the art aspect of it that like um, Marianne is is painting this portrait of Eloise but like does that portrait really represent her or is it like an idealized creation uh, right or, you know like that kind of um idea yeah. which i think goes back to that idea of pygmalion um you know just creating his ideal woman in in sculpture yeah. form i don't know i haven't like developed this idea very much but like <laughs> no, <I laughs> those like are like it. kind of my thoughts as i was like because i i just saw a portrait of a lady on fire for the first time recently and was kind of okay. thinking about um you know, was thinking about Pygmalion stories at the time. So I could just be completely reading into it, you know, but yeah, something to look into. That's (laughs) that's all we do is read into things. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's what this podcast is about. So that's what we do. Yeah. Yeah. So go watch Portrait of a Lady on Fire. Yeah. Yeah. Any others? Any other references or echoes? Um, 
that we just have to talk about? None I mean, that our, I can. I th- our favorite Christina Milian. Well, I guess yes. our second favorite Christina Milian movie. Yeah. <laughs> because our first favorite is Falling in Love. But this, our second favorite Christina Milian movie is Love Don't Cost a Thing. <laughs> tell me, tell me that Falling in Love is not a phenomenal movie. I it's love amazing. that. It's <laughs> amazing. I love it so much. <sighs> um, Netflix never fails. Um, no, ever at anything. Kind of a lot, actually. Just <laughs> <laughs> How dare you even suggest otherwise? Um, <laughs> love, yes, love don't cost a thing. Is sort of a reverse Pygmalion that I think. I mean, granted, it's been a very, very long time since I've seen <laughs> Love Don't Cost a Thing. Sure, but I, but I do think that. Uh, it like in the end it kind of has the message that like trying to change someone to fit your ideal isn't maybe a good thing yeah which that's a great message but it's very telling that that is the message when the genders are reversed right Uh, yeah yeah do with that what you will (laughs) There, because I was thinking of that. That that thought just made me think of the episode of That's So Raven where that happens, oh. where she takes that guy and kind of like changes his outfit or whatever. But uh-huh. then she comes to that realization at the end that oh, that was awful of of me right. to do. But yeah. again, because it's a female identifying character who did it, you know, it's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Again, we'll just put that on the table and let you. We'll just <laughs> let that hover out there. Let's think about it. <laughs> uh, so basically, Pygmalion that, is in everything, and everything is so sexist. Raven. And mm-hmm. and go watch Clueless and Portrait of a Lady on Fire. The and end. that's so Raven. The end by me, Leslie Nope. <laughs> That would actually be the weirdest marathon if you did. <laughs> Clueless Portrait and Portrait of a Lady, Lady on Fire. Fire. Clueless. Then you watched that episode of That's So Raven. Uh-huh. And then you watched um, Falling in Love. And then you watched um, Dog selfie. Fight. Selfie. It would be. And Selfie. And then you Selfie. You would be confused. On my pirated DVD. <laughs> that Rhonda will send to you for $20. <laughs> for $20. <laughs> I paid 15 for it, but I'll send it to you for 20 <laughs> make make that really good five dollar gain on that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you Although know, shipping's probably like five. So yeah, <laughs> probably. <laughs> uh, I think we're I think we're at the we're at the end of our ropes here. We're <laughs> I think I, I'm seeing I'm seeing the the that's our time light. From I think the so. Stage. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> This was really, I I quite enjoyed this episode. I think this was fun. I did too. Now I'm just frantically looking at, you know, when you start a task and your brain is still doing it, even when it's over, uh-huh. I'm now just frantically staring at my books like, what else is Pygmalion? But we're done now. It's over. <laughs> we're but done. my brain is still like, okay. no, we have to if find more of, answers. Yeah. If we think of other things, we can post them on Instagram. I think that. Yeah. That's what I yeah. have historically done on our Instagram. I'll be like, oh, we should have included this in the episode. Putting it on Instagram. <laughs> Putting it on the Insta. Okay. Yeah. That's fair. Yeah. 
so speaking of which, are you following us on Instagram, listeners? Because mm? you should be. You should. We post half-heartedly and not very often, but... Because we both have <laughs> complex <laughs> relationships to Insta. But hey, it's there. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, follow us on Insta. And I guess Twitter. We never do anything on Twitter, but you know, oh, maybe someday you we will. <laughs> you could still mutually be there with us not doing yeah. anything. You know, Twitter's a on-fire garbage can most of the time, but uh-huh. that's fine. Um, and, and what else? Oh, our next episode. It's going to be a good one. Erin is celebrating the day of her birth. The day, in our, the day of my birth. The day of my 30th day year of oh, birth. Your 30th trip around the sun. And we're going to celebrate. Aren't I with sick a of this route around the sun bonus. already? Hasn't it already happened? Bonus episode for Aaron's birthday. So don't miss it. Hey, that'll be out on two weeks from the day that this episode is released, which I think will be July 31st. Check it out. Check it out. Can you hear me clicking my pen? I can. I like it. (laughs) Click, click, click. Okay. Um, Okay, guys. And gals okay. and non-binary pals, we'll see you or catch you later. Bye, friends. Don't forget to feed your pets. And, and water, your pl- water your plants. And water yourself. And water yourself. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right, friends. Bye. Okay. Bye.